This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Hop Forward podcast. Now, I'm in my comfortable reclining position for podcasting this week, um, which isn't normal because normally I'm sat upright and trying to do my best presenter Steve Lamack voice. Um, but I, th- I thought I'd go comfortable this week. It's summer. i looking out of my window. I wish I could tell you I was looking upon the rolling hills of the Peak District, but I'm sat looking at terraced houses great um did you miss the hot four podcast last week that better been a yeah um but yes last week um i must confess um there was no podcast shocking i know um i've had a busy busy few weeks and i'd run down my stock of podcasts it's a little bit like cash flow isn't it um, only with podcasts like sometimes you've got really good cash flow and then you take your foot off the gas and before you know it you're like crap there's no money in the bank and there's nothing coming in better get some customers it's a little bit like that but with podcasting um, for those of you out there who do run a podcast I don't know if anyone out there does run a beer podcast listens actually yes uh, Adam and James from the Sheffield Hotcast do listen to this so big shout out to those guys love their podcast you should go check it out as well. Anyway, where was I going with this? Yes, so I thought I'd better get off my arse and get some podcasts booked in and recorded. So got a crazy busy <laughs> few weeks actually uh, recording podcasts. Um, super excited going over to Manchester, Manchester to go interview Paul from Cloudwater. So I'm really looking forward to meeting Paul and uh, chatting with him um, about um, stuff. I was going to give the game away then. That's why I hesitated. I know exactly what I'm going to talk to him about, but I want it to be a surprise. Um, I'm going to be talking to Melissa Cole, beer writer. Uh, excited about that episode. Um, Shane from Cheshire Brewhouse and uh, guys from Beer Riff and just a whole bunch of other people from the beer industry. So this next round of podcasts, hopefully get up my podcast cash flow. So I put a thing out there on social media saying... Um, can anyone recommend anyone I could go talk to? And someone suggested Jason from Bumblebeer. I was like, Bumblebeer? That's amazing. My kids love that name, by the way. When I was recording this interview, they, they sort of snuck down to go and talk to the quote-unquote B-man. <laughs> um, but I was like, man, think of the puns. Man, could I be any more excited about this episode? Get it? Be, of course you do. Um, you're very intelligent people. Yeah, so I caught up with Jason from Bumblebeer, who's an entrepreneur and uh, wanted to launch an ecological brand of beer to save the bees because he's passionate about the environment and the planet on which we live and so we should all be. So, yeah, um, this great episode today. I absolutely loved chat with Jason. Just, just, just listen to his passion and enthusiasm and everything was amazing. So I think you'll find this episode really great. We talk about uh, niche brands, 
and contract brewing and, and entrepreneurship and sales and social media and psychology. It's just, yeah, great content here. So if you like the Hot Forward podcast and if you're still listening to this, please leave a review. That's the least you can do. Go on iTunes or Spotify and leave a really nice review about the Hot Forward podcast saying how much you like it. Follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and check out the website hotforward.beer. Uh, maybe there's a solution for you and your beer business on there, whether it's uh, looking for branding, uh, for, for business coaching and mentorship, or brewery technical advice, uh, hotforward.beer. So be ready. <laughs> I think there was another episode like this, wasn't there? Where I was just like putting it up. Be ready and let's do it. Today on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Winter from Bumblebeer. Oh, hello, sir! Thank you very much for having me, Nick. I got straight in there with a pun. I know, mate. It's fine. It's what, fine. What, what, what's the best bee pun you've had so far? Uh, I don't know if the word "best" is uh, is appropriate. <laughs> it's like you know, everybody's buzzing for me to uh, to do this. I used to work with drones and the amount of puns that i got with that like i hope it gets off the ground mate like, oh, but, um, <laughs> so, but when you've had it 300 times you know every family member every friend every it, it's fine it's great, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you've heard all the uh yeah bnb puns so far so uh, yeah cool well on that note why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and some of your background yeah sure um so i'm jason winter i've put together a uh, a kind of a beer brand i'm not a traditional kind of craft brewer um because i kind of came at this from oh, probably worked on and off in the hospitality trade for about 12 14 years mate pretty much ever since i could get a job uh sort of on and off been working in bars and then ended up managing different uh various pubs and bars as well and in that time sort of um i i had an experience at uni actually about eight years ago I met a bloke who worked for Sipsmiths uh, when they were introducing their brand and sort of really uh, the craft beer market really started to to, to balloon and, and I wanted to understand it. Um, and at the same time, I was reading about Monsanto, monocrop culture, and I was uh, I've always been someone that sort of marketed concepts. And I sort of saw this opportunity to marry kind of an eco-friendly idea with the kind of trend in in a in a drinks brand similar to like fair trade coffee or something yeah. like that where the actual industry itself can can enact some social good um yeah the last year i've started i basically went around a bunch of different craft beer companies whether it's in essex or in sort of bermondsey or wolfenstow there's a uh, several that i approached i also approached uh U brew to try and train myself and I'm, I'm still in the process of learning and actually I'm, you know i'm passionate about learning how to to uh, understand like kind of every single element of the product phase from where the ingredients are sourced to to yep. end of the product life cycle and that's important to you know hopefully we'll come on to about the sustainable nature of of what the way i'm trying to structure the business mm. um and that's where I come at it from a very different angle is, yes, it, on the face of it, it seems like uh, Bumblebeer is the vegan, gluten-free, super eco-friendly brand that um, isn't 
really going to be appealing to most of probably your audience, for instance, who, you know, they might like their Imperial Stout, so they might drink, you know, uh, their dippers, their IPAs. But this is a sessionable 4.6% Pilsner. You know, it is a completely... Uh, pretty much what you would consider a bog standard lager. Yep. Uh, you know, it's crisp and clean and refreshing, but I am not in the business of doing anything really to produce, you know, four different flavors of this style of beer a month and be smashing out uh, all these different kind of uh, uh, styles because that doesn't help the charitable and uh, environmental nature of trying to produce Essentially, what I'm trying to do as an entrepreneur is take more of the macro market rather than not go anywhere near the rest of my craft beer peers. You know, I'm trying to create something that really, uh, for the sake of like helping the charitable cause to help save the bees. Sorry, Bumblebee is here to help save the bees. By the way, that's that's the one of the main points. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> um, to that. <laughs> yeah, um, and and you know, and that's kind of my approach. Um, so yeah, it's kind of sort of who I am and where I'm sort of positioned in in this whole beer world. So why did you decide to start Bumblebee? Oh. So you mentioned about the bees. I mean, it's, it, that, yeah. it, it it sounds like an interesting story right there. So like I say, while I was working in a pub, I basically realised that there's a genuine uh, marked there's a genuine concern now. Uh, last year with the IPCC report in uh, in the summer of last year and David Attenborough highlighting that, you know, we have 12 years um, before the science says we cannot reverse the ecological breakdown um, that's happening to the planet. Mm. When I read that and simultaneously I was working in a caravan park in the middle of nowhere uh, running that bar, but basically not really living my dream. Um, so I realised... I can't imagine anyone in that scenario <laughs> would be living their dream. Yeah. I just thought, I just thought hang on, you, you have all these, you know, you've had a lot of ideas and I've uh, tried to get most of the way with, with some of them. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to give this 100%. I'm going to try and develop this brand and this product to market. And I'm going to just see. I'm not going to come along and claim that I'm the big I am. I'm just going to see. Can I get it to fruition? And uh, it's been about nine months since that decision, uh, a couple of uh, different odd jobs and things here and there and a couple of false starts with the business. And, and now I'm, um, you know, I've had some uh, some attention and it looks like people want to, to order it. And it's, uh, it's really positive. And the reason why uh, is both personal and professional is yeah. that I saw the uh, consumer trends with veganism, with um, people that, are, that care about uh, environmental issues as well as uh, as well as just the socially responsible stuff. Um, and personally, just thought, why not? I'm not really doing much with what I'm doing at the moment, so I might as well just try. And, um, and you know, it's been a really positive experience just doing something and connecting with people that like, you know, like-minded people that are, you know, entrepreneurs are fun and people that are trying to save the planet, also they have a heart of gold. And when you combine those passions, mm. it, it's a it's a positive and fun experience, I've got to be honest. Yeah, we um, I don't know if you listen to the podcast much, but um, a couple of weeks ago we had uh, Lewis on from Eco Keg. So oh, right, yeah. e e um, Eco Keg make kegs out of recycled materials, uh, recycled right. plastics. Um, 
and you know, so I asked a lot of questions to him about um, give him the, the environment and, and the waste within the the industry. Because you mentioned on your website about being an ecological friendly brewery, yes. and that there's a lot of waste byproducts in brewing. I mean, in particular, water. Yeah. You know, it's a massive, yeah. wasn't it? When um, especially in breweries that don't have recycle tanks, and there are a lot of small breweries out there that don't. I it mean. What what innovative ways and solutions, whilst you've been re- researching Bumblebeer, have, have you maybe come across in the beer industry or other industries in ways yeah. in, in hospitality and it, with people looking to recycle and have a, a good carbon footprint, for example? Okay, so personally, um, what I'm trying to achieve goes beyond what a normal craft brewery would uh, be seen to be doing. Mm. So... I sought the advice from Alan from Brugada, who's been wonderful. He's been on the phone to me many, many times about how he structured his business and created Brugada with, with Brewdog and um, his charitable foundation and the work that he does. And he was a great starting point to understand how I could align with a brand such as that in a crowded market. Because um, obviously we've got to understand is there's roughly 2,000 craft breweries producing 3.4 billion litres of uh, craft beer every year just in the UK. That's not even talking about the US or other brands, you know, you know, your European brands like Omnipolo and stuff. So the market is saturated. It is pretty much a really stupid idea to create a craft beer business in 2019. Um, and what I realized was, it, although it sounds cynical to say that the uh, the sustainable, eco-friendly angle is is just this marketing pitch, it's not. The entire ethos, the, like you quoted, the, the, the point of the website is to lay out our manifesto, is to, before we're even selling to any pubs, is to say these are the pledges and the things that we're trying to achieve. Um, and likewise, I think I'd be a, be a bit of a mug if I didn't go to someone like Alan, if I didn't understand the other socially responsible uh, brands that are in this space. Because realistically, and I'll give an example, I'll quote them, and I, I will, um, I'm going to give them some constructive criticism. Whether or not they uh, listen to me or not is fine. So Good Things uh, Brewery uh, in Suffolk, I think they're in Suffolk, Suffolk or Norfolk, um, and they invited Jamie Oliver down. So what they've done with spent grain um, is they've bought a dehydration machine and they've worked out a way to to dry their grain, their spent grain out, mill it, and then sell it to local restaurants as a as it's a really interesting byproduct. Um, but me personally, and I haven't contacted them yet, but I I, I am going to do so is to speak to them and to anyone and to say that I'm trying to devise solutions beyond Bumblebee, beyond any any of that, to actually create like industry-wide solutions because many of the breweries that I've encountered in London, in, uh, in you know, Manchester, Birmingham, they have to pay to get their, their spent grain taken away. And I know this is just one issue. I want to talk about the water issue as well. Um, so what I'm trying to do is create a cooperative that would say, right, instead of a, a, a collection of breweries buying it from others, and then I suppose you're getting guys in bands and you're drying it out yourself and you're milling it and then you're going to sell it to someone else. The, the, the way to do it is basically to invite everyone on board on a macro scale. Say all 2,000 breweries across the UK, we all pay in the same amount of money, say 100 quid as a, as a, a starting fee to get 
some of the uh, infrastructure in place. Hiring blokes with vans on a day rate with, say, vacuum pack bags or essentially write a protocol for when you're on your brew days, right? How we then extract the grain within 24 hours before it starts to go off, get, either freeze it or dry it, and then be able to sell it back to, say, Muntons that have enough of a, a distribution network where you'd be able to create, you know, have enough space physically in the warehouse, in a factory, where we could literally tons and tons of grain, mill this stuff and sell it on a commercial basis. By the way, via kind of uh, a committee, so a cooperative, obviously it's not one bloke telling everybody else what it's going to be. And then we decide on the commercialization. My example would be sell it to someone like Pedigree Chum to make dog biscuits. And then everybody gets back, everybody gets back at the same dividend, fairly equally charged based on the tonnage or 100 kilo per whatever uh, uh, amount of grain they supplied. So it's a completely fair system about making the craft beer industry itself more sustainable. That's just one concept that I have that I've got to get on with my core business and I've got to do that and basically, you know, earn some money before I can start to do those sorts of things. But I I kind of constantly spend my time researching other socially responsible brands. I'm about to launch in what's called the Green Bic. Uh, a friend of mine, he's doing a, a pop-up. Uh, pub with all of the different uh, socially responsible brands so there'll be toast is going to be stocked there i'm going to be stocked there um i think small small beer brewing co so that's the next company i want to talk about they're a very very interesting uh business that's similar to mine and um one that i'm i'm passionate about being in contact with so like I said, Alan from Brewgooder, he's very good. In, he's given me a lot of advice in, in a socially responsible uh, entrepreneur and, and, and business. And uh, I think that's great. And their business model, for instance, is um, they're 100% profits to charity and they build uh, wells in Africa in order to supply water uh, for developing nations, which is great. Yeah, so Small Beer Bruco, um, I've been looking at them for a few weeks and I'm very, very interested. One of the people that I first met uh, on my journey to do this was um, Nigel Tarn. Do you know Nigel Tarn? No, I don't know Nigel. Uh, he's, a, he's the marketing uh, guy for Camera London, and he, he, he writes a bit about beer and stuff as well. He's, mm. he's done all Anyway, he, he asked me about what I was up to when I went and got a sample from Pillars Brewery in, in Walthamstow. And... Um, I was talking to them last year about, about doing, you know, doing a contract with them. And um, and he was just sat there and he was like, oh, so what's all this about? And uh, I got talking about the sustainability, like sort of uh, ambitions of the brand and um, sort of what I wanted to achieve. And uh, and so he's like, oh, yeah, because there's about 10 litres of water per litre of beer that you brew. And I was like, really? And so I started to uh, research this and small beer bruco do a great job in what they do and they do it very well and they actually have a quote on their website that i'd recognized uh, for my own business so what i've done is i literally produce a vegan gluten-free lager we don't produce any other styles of beer and we have wildflower infused packaging and coasters mm. that's all we do that's the message Okay, because if I start doing the water reducing thing, if I start going on about like 
it become the messaging becomes too hard. So the, yeah. the quote that they had on their website was, I think it's from a sustainability uh, expert. Yeah, it's here. Hang on one second. It says something like, if you're going to do anything, do one thing and do it consistently well. Um, it was something like that. I probably completely butchered that quote. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was something like that. I can't find it right now. But anyway, so um, <clears throat> what they do is they produce uh, – beer that's you know literally using is it one or two pints of water per pint of beer it's it's so much better mm. yeah choose one thing that reduces your impact on our environment and stick to it um and that's what i'm choosing to do yeah so one pint of their beer is only takes one and a half pints of water and usually it's 10 pints of water yeah so I want Bumblebee to be like the Porsche 911 GT3S of all eco-friendly ideas. Eventually, I want to have basically the Eden project of breweries set up on a farm where everything from our energy, water supply, uh, to you know us producing our ingredients sustainably, every single element of the business to be uh, uh, sustainably and ecologically minded. Um, but I don't have sort of 20 million pounds to build that yet. So, um, so, so I've got to start small. And so that's why we sort of, my focus is just wildflowers, just, uh, the vegan and gluten-free messaging, because otherwise I'll just sort of get lost. And, but my, my intention, uh, to sort of broadly wrap up, uh, a conclusion to that question is to partner with all of the socially responsible and sustainable uh, uh, breweries that I've sort of either researched or I mean talks with myself or friends with um, and and also to say that the ethos of the company for instance the wildflower packaging um, I would quite like to be able to supply any beer brand or even any kind of um, just product brand with that because um, I'm not trying to rip Good Things Brewery in saying this. I would say this to their face, but it is not enough on a sustainable or or uh, ecological level to only do things for your own brand. Um, you have to make it so that it's, um, you know, uh, economically viable for everybody mm. and therefore is ecologically viable for everybody. Otherwise, the the, the solution is not a solution. It is a, it's something that they're profiting from temporarily, but it won't overall uh, create the, the, the market that we need, the actual, the way that, and this is the real controversial thing that I have to say about this, which is really cheeky, which is actually my brand doesn't really, my brand isn't saving the world. All we're doing is helping save capitalism, save the world. You know, like, so people talk about ethical consumption under capitalism. Well, if you want to be a complete communist, fine. But all I'm doing is trying to deliver solutions through the societal kind of uh, uh, infrastructure that we have. That's a very pretentious way of saying I'm just rolling with what I've got. You know, I'm just, I can only do, I'm only one bloke. But anyway, so the actual, my personal remit and the personal remit, uh, the, the remit of the company that I'm founding is to partner with all socially responsible brands. And I think all brands should be socially responsible. Mm. So any of these solutions, like I say, I'm completely transparent about putting on our social media, on our website, you can contact me, 
if you want to get wildflower packaging for your beer company and completely ruin my USP, crack on. Like I, I'm up for it. Like I'm not scared of anyone. So, um, yeah. So, so it's about having a different approach. To be honest, like I, I, like I say, Alan was really good to me in everything that he told me about his advantages um, getting into this industry um, and um, about helping me be realistic and about the, the different things that I have to do. So, yeah. So to not go on, really, like I, I am sort of just researching and trying to learn any of these different changes. For instance, small the small big guys, they also have a, a a different way to package their products. I'm also talking to um, various different craft beer guys about the issue with distribution at the moment. You know, like the distribution direct to consumer is simply what it's just not. It's not a viable thing. I mean, it's a very, very expensive uh, uh, experience at the moment. Um, and I don't think it, there's really a courier service that's fit for purpose. Yeah. Um, so, so there's like a million different aspects, but it's about having the approach to these uh, to these ideas that is totally willing to not just say, you know, I want to retain this business at this level and therefore keep these ideas to myself. That's not my approach at all. I want to be. I'm. I'm. I'm going to be probably a niche brand stocked in in a lot of places, you know, a lot of retailers or like, I do have a macro approach, which is a very dirty word in the craft beer industry. Um, but I have to, because I'm genuinely trying to change, you know, some of the eco-friendly stuff that I want to achieve. Yeah. I think it's interesting what you say about, um, a few things about the, 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 the macro thing. And cause you, you strike me as an entrepreneur yeah. and, one of the things I kind of I see a lot when I'm going out visiting breweries is obviously there's a lot of people that start breweries because they're brewers, yeah, more so than entrepreneurs. But when you get the people who are like yourself who are entrepreneurs that then start a brewery because they're passionate about beer, yeah, they come at it very differently. Yes. Uh, obviously they come at it from a, a really sort of a business acumen kind of kind of point of view and. And I think it can it can throw some brewers who are really good at the technical work because it's kind of like all of a sudden they're thrust into the world of business and it's like they have to do cash flow forecasts and projections and, and deal with all that stuff and keep a business running, which is a, a job in and of itself. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As well as then making all the beer, washing all the casts and so on. And, you know, I've, I've met people who kind of burnt out by yeah, it precisely. because it's just kind of like I can't sustain that. Um so obviously you're, you're coming at this from a entrepreneurial point of view. Um, but yeah, you know, um, so like, I guess, cause you, you contract brew your beers, right? Uh, yeah. You get someone else to brew for you. So, I mean, what's, what's that process like for you? Because I presume with you being, trying to be ecological, mm. it's not just a case of, well, I'll find anyone to make it. Because no, you must no. have a certain set of criteria that you are wanting to adhere to. Because you, you sound very passionate about about the yeah. cause you're fighting for. So, like, how have you found the contract brewing process with with the added caveat of that being thrown into the mix? And then what pitfalls would you say to anyone listening to this who's, who's in a similar position to you, wants to start a brand uh, more so than a, a brewery? Um, what would you sort of suggest to them um, to try to avoid maybe when looking to find a partner brewery and, and what should they be looking out for? 
for sure. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm probably the most qualified person to talk about being the most unqualified person <laughs> in any industry ever. Because I studied creative writing. I wrote a book where the research was partly on drones. I then was offered a job to work in a drone company and then had to learn the drone kind of tech stuff from scratch uh always sort of approaching it as an entrepreneur and a business person uh or from a business development point of view um and that's why i essentially approached the craft beer industry with both trepidation and supreme confidence because what i mean by that is i quickly learned in the drone game that oh, yeah, you can't go and design and build your own drone, mate, because you haven't got a fucking computer science. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Um, yeah. Beep. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I haven't got a uh, the technical knowledge to go and design those sorts of products. Mm. And likewise, I learning that as a bloke in his 20s, um, when, when you are someone that you think, right, you've got the idea, well, it can't be that hard, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that was my classic kind of steamroller approach as an entrepreneur. Um, and getting older, approaching 30, I thought, you, you, you've learned that lesson the hard way. You know, it, it wasted a lot of time and a lot of money. So go and find the experts. Never, like, as, as someone that does approach this as an entrepreneur, my, my best piece of advice would be don't waste your time trying to do things you're not good at. I'm not a designer. I'm not a. I'm not a head brewer. Uh, I am rubbish at those things. So even if you're a perfectionist, don't bother. Don't waste your time. It is far better to admit that. Like, and, and, and for young people, I think in general, uh, the issue is being able to admit when you're wrong. Mm. Like school, for instance, for me would be like, you know, you're constantly conditioned to have to give the right answer. In this situation to you, on a podcast where I'm going to be heard by people that probably have a lot, a lot more technical knowledge than me, my concern is to make sure I know what I sound like, I know what I'm talking about. But actually, I can talk about the things I actually know about. And years ago I gave up talking about the things that I know I can't like as a marketer you're sort of told uh, and I always come from a marketing perspective you know that you should do that and like you know all the years I've worked behind the bar if you don't sound like your product knowledge or talk about your product knowledge with confidence then the person's just not going to buy the drink like so I've regained that confidence by like you say with the contract brew of understanding the market a bit better and knowing that I don't have to be every single aspect of the business in order for it to succeed. Yeah. I think that's really sound advice, though, because um, I, as obviously I run this podcast, but part of this podcast feeds into my business as a, yeah. as a brewery and brand consultant for um, the craft beer industry. Yeah. Um, you know, focusing on the th sort of three areas like, you know, the brewing aspect, the beer, the, the business aspects and, and the brand yeah. aspects. And I put off launching this podcast for a year because I was like, what are the people going to say? You know, they're going to be like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Since 1997, you don't know exactly. anything. They're not invented and here. Exactly. Thing, yeah. And I was talking to a, another brewery consultant who's a lot older than I am recently. 
and um, he he said, Nick, that that voice in your head, that um, do, do you know on Lord of the Rings with Gollum? There's yeah. like, what's this? Crumbs? Hurtockets? And he gets accused <laughs> and stuff, and he's like, that is an incredible Gollum impression. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's been perfected over years, but um, okay. it's that it's that whole thing <clears throat> of like, um, you don't know what you're talking about, precious. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um and and actually I you know I I've had to sort of draw my piece of like well I I the things that I know what I'm talking about then yeah I I will say with the utmost confidence but I don't know everything and no one knows everything no, um, no, and it's a uh, it's difficult um so just to 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 to, to wrap it up it, it like basically um. I, I, so the experience with contract brewing with the, 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 the journey that I've been on and, and with that in mind, um, I, I knew exactly the criteria I had to hit. It had to be a vegan beer. Yeah. I don't know why. Basically, I was originally going to make a honey beer and that's the biggest criticism I get of the brand is they go bumblebeer as it got honey in it. So they don't like, so my vegan messaging has to be really good. <laughs> um, because actually I've, 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 uh, been in talks with Hiver and, and, and Hannah from Hiver. She's amazing as an entrepreneur. Um, and that's a honey we'll beer, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's where, uh, so I'm looking at um, trying to help uh, like urban uh, bee populations because mm. in London and stuff, if we could do some kind of wildflower collaboration, she does the honey beer, I do the vegan beer. You know, that's a, that's a possibility. But, to say about my experience with uh, contract brewing is, to be honest with you, I came, like I said, I came from the drone world, and there, there were some hard-nosed businessmen that really did me a number in that trade. And uh, I have to be honest, even though this is a traditional uh, industry, and uh, uh, there are some old-school guys, and there's a lot of differing opinions on forums, online, and stuff like that, personally... Um, I have met the nicest blokes in this industry. The I have had to make some difficult decisions where I would have liked to have worked with other uh, 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 brewers and breweries um, straight away. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it wouldn't make sense for me on an e- uh, from an ecological point of view to be transporting the beer from a brewery that's physically a hundred miles from me. Yeah. That's just not that's not reasonable for my brand and, and that's why i had to make that decision so i i brew with the with a with brentwood brewery that is like physically close closest to me yep. that has capacity that we have an arrangement with um their beer is gluten-free as well as being vegan i wasn't looking for for gluten-free as a thing but but as their their process somehow it's gluten-free so i think I mean, to be honest with you, I never intended to make a vegan brand years ago, but I looked at the consumer trends and is it just nice to include everybody when you're not using Isinglass? Yes. So mm-hmm. it's just a simple it's a simple decision for me. Um, and what I did, part of my research to double check, when I had that Gollum uh, voice in my head <laughs> last summer, I, I like you, thought so I, I, I'd start to put the brand together and I'd start to think about it and I'd start to speak to people and I thought, oh God, what if you don't know what you're talking about? What if all these trends that you've read about online or in, on different newspapers over here and your idea and the actual market, what if they're not aligned? Mm. And, uh, and I went to the Great British Beer Festival, the Camera Beer Festival, 
to try and understand the kind of traditional market. And I was, and I kind of wanted to have a bet to myself. I was like, is there going to be a single food stall? And I'm not, I'm not a vegan, by the way. Um, is there going to be a single vegetarian or vegan food stall at the camera Great British Beer Festival? Was there? I bet there wasn't. No, there was like 3,000 different uh, beers wow. on there. And it's like not a single thing. So I realized when you've got consumer trends of like, you know, from five years ago, half a million vegans to now three and a half million in the UK, when all the climate stuff is constantly in the press as the biggest press story that's going with all the stuff, it, it's, it might be cynical or not. I don't know what you think, but I genuinely care about it. But I genuinely see that this is now a mainstream popular issue. Mm. So I know, I know you refer to it as like a bit of a niche, um, but if I could be the niche thing everywhere, yeah, right, in order to, to, to help, uh, it, in order to just be, you know, like essentially like it's Stella with wildflowers. It's like, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like it's the main sessionable, like sort of middle of the road, like beer. I'm not, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, Omnipolo or Vocation or I'm not trying to be Northern Monk. I'm not trying to, to uh, push the boundaries of uh, what is achievable within beer flavors and styles what i'm trying to do is create a premium uh sessionable you know four and a half five percent lager that has this that has this uh, ethical and sustainable remit to, yeah. to actually uh, our, our goal is one million square meters of wildflower space back in the uk i don't know how long it's going to take me to do that because the coasters at the moment are eight centimetres by eight centimetres. So is the idea that people will drink the beer and get the coaster and then they'll replant yeah. the... So, yeah. yeah, so at the moment we're doing, uh, we're trying, I've, I'm costing out the coaster packs in order to be able to work out how much beer I need to supply pups in order for them to do, say, you buy two beers, you get a free coaster or just... Mm them out then we're doing a reward scheme on our website where you can get points based on tweeting us and tagging us with our hashtag yep. hashtag be the change and then we'll build up some kind of reward scheme where we give prizes where we give away discounts for beer you know and there'll be <clears throat> basically you save the planet you save money on beer sorry was that Win hashtag winner. be the change it was oh yeah, hashtag yeah. oh he shoots he scores <laughs> amazing <laughs> So yeah. let, let, let's say you, you've got a great idea or one has a great idea and you're convinced that this idea is going to disrupt an industry and be a game changer, but, but, but then you find no one's catching on to the fire, so yeah. to speak. Like how, how can you tell the difference between you simply being an innovator and not having found those early adopters yet of that idea or just the idea not actually being a good idea other than in your head? Yeah, um, to be honest with you, it's something that, even though I've been given a lot of press attention and things like this, it's very society and the media and things at the moment is very segmented. If you look at politics and mm. beer is an interesting one, when you talk about left wing or right wing politics, a lot of funky uh, craft beer brands have obviously like done I, I can't remember which brand it is but they do an overtly kind of like left-wing kind of thing about against trump and against a lot of those kind of uh political forces and um and obviously in the confluence of craft beer we find that you have uh, a very mixed demographic of people with 
people that love craft beer, old geezers that love their old beer, and then the newbies that are like, you know, wanting your cheesecake stouts and your crazy, you know, you're the new... Hypercraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah hypercraft. Yeah, that's it. Um, and so basically, I've, I've found a very mixed review of terms of like, for instance, my dad hates the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've been seen by five million people, but he drinks old speckled hen and he does not get it. <laughs> he does not get it at all. Um, you know, it'll go as far as Doombar. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> Steady so, on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I've, 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 this isn't my first venture. I was, I was lucky. I've managed to, uh, be, I've managed to try my luck when I was young, when there wasn't that much responsibility. So I was always like the manager director, you're young and enterprise at school. Or, you know, I was all, I've, I've always been this way, unfortunately, and, uh, never diagnosed just, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But for real, like uh, I would say, you've the way I've approached this is actually I've 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 spoken to press and managed to gauge the concept uh, before I've really spent lots of money yeah. uh, on the brand. Um, so I mean, Brewdog are the gods of free press. They generated all of their press for free, um, and they was. They're very successful. Obviously, they're the, the godfathers now, and they're you know the most internationally kind of distributed that you know from the UK that I'd say they're 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 smashing it um, from a business perspective. Yeah, yeah. And um, and for that, I would say the process of being able to analyse your idea is it's a bit like trying to do stand up comedy. Don't go to your family and friends for your first gig yeah yeah do do your thing do create your idea get it to the point where you think okay this is good enough and i've even like struggled and i've had to rehash it as i'm going along uh, i don't claim that, that that my journey is the way that you should do it and i think there are there are if you've got a few quid and you've got you can pay someone a lot of money to go and design all of your stuff for you as well as making the beer great that's you know that's going to ease your problems uh, uh, much quicker than me personally when you're having to sort of do everything on a shoestring that's number one if you're a millionaire already you're probably going to be able to get some help uh, but number two if you're not a millionaire if you're a working class person and you think you've got an idea and you want to go and do it like I say go go to the professionals what I've always done when I was working in um, business development for the drone scene my main job was to uh, be like a sports marketer, um, so to to try and get sponsorship for events mm. uh, from companies. Um, and the best thing I'd say to do as an entrepreneur is to observe who is the daddy at it, who invented it. Yeah, if you want to get in computers, learn about Bill Gates. Yeah, learn yeah. about Steve Jobs. That's that's pretty standard, right? So what I did in the sports marketing. Uh, world was um, I had a colleague who then told me about the godfather of all uh, sports marketing and I went and found him on LinkedIn his name's Patrick Nally he's the uh, president of world poker um, but he invented it uh, and got McDonald's and 
Coca-Cola to sponsor the Olympics back in the 70s for about $30 million back in the 70s, now creating the multi-multi-billion dollar sponsorship deals we know for all major sports. Um, So if you want to do something, just Google who the best at it at the world is and then go on LinkedIn and go, hello, mate, I do this. Can I talk to you about it? And that's what I did. And you know what? I went and had a conversation with him. Mm. Um, and like, but I'm, I'm a bit of a cheeky chap. So like, I understand that like not everybody has, uh, should do that. And sometimes people can think you're being a bit too cheeky. But all I would say is observe the way it has been done by the people that have been the most successful at it and try to understand laterally how to apply your brand to that process. So for instance, I am not a brewer. I don't think Alan from Brugada is a head brewer. He he did it so mad. He he was like working out in Africa. He couldn't get a permanent job to go and dig wells for this African charity. So then he formed the charity and then he came up with the brand in order to fund the charity to fund his work back out there. So he he went completely outside the box thinking. And what I like is basically just being able to take this idea or this process and you can apply it. You know, basically what I did was apply the fair trade coffee uh, concept to craft beer and the environment. Yeah. Um, so once you kind of get that, uh, the input and the output, uh, then once you understand that process is the same for anything, then laterally thinking you can apply that process. And that's the way I try to think now. So um, um, whatever your concerns are as an individual or a business, for me, it's, you know, I think that the environment's pretty much number one in terms of what we need to deal with in the next decade. Then you can take that process and you can apply it to an entirely different industry. Yep. You know, I've got plans for, for completely different projects, but that that do the exact that uh, do the exact same thing in principle. Um, it's just how it's delivered. You know, it's now we're talking about the ethical consumption under capitalism of uh, consumer advocacy over. Uh, uh, carbon neutral or low carbon businesses that therefore the same way that you felt better 20 years ago giving 30 pence for the bloke that's actually picked your coffee beans now you feel better that you're not destroyed you know it's exactly mm. it's just it's just psychology it really genuinely is and I'm- so you mentioned earlier about like obviously if you're a millionaire and you can afford Mm. all this stuff to from your businesses but like if, if if you are working class and you know you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth like how yeah. how how would you go about funding something that is as capital heavy as a brewery for example i mean and, and then pitching your ideas to mm. um people that have got lots of money to leverage their money for your business precisely um okay um so <clears throat> There is quite a bit of luck involved in the process that I've been through at the moment um, in that the brewery has been extremely generous to me in allowing me to be very flexible at the way that we work our contract. So at the moment, I'm able to 
basically work a margin where where I can sell the beer to anyone and put it through their books. Right. So I'm actually, you know, extreme. That's and that's an extremely generous offer from them where. I'm now uh, friends with the head brewer and, and that's not a normal kind of business contract. And I wouldn't say to most people that expect that to be done. Likewise, some of the other people, you know, like Alan, you know, the Bruger guy, he got, he, Brewdog was like, yeah, you can contract brew through us and we've got the scale. So there's a lot of different advantages that different businesses can have. Um, and I'm not claiming to sort of, of, had to have grafted all of that out because basically they kind of said, yeah, this seems great and we think you'll be able to, to, to sell a lot. So we're happy to have you. But, and that's a, that's a, that's me being completely honest and mm. saying I, I was lucky. I was lucky in that respect. Um, like I was saying previously, if you've got something that's got a genuine USP, for instance, simply nobody really in the mainstream market, the uh, markets, they're, they're, beer is vegan so just by whacking it on the label i'm i'm differentiating myself and and that's honestly most of the press that i got so it was all the vegan lifestyle stuff they're all the, the magazines and different publications online that, that uh, and social media uh entities that on instagram they i've got a lot of quite large uh different pages have shared my stuff and so i'm in a, a unique position where i've been seen by a lot of people so therefore retail and uh different venues are are asking for my wholesale price list yeah. um but i actually haven't had to spend the uh working capital to make all the beer yet yeah. i kind of like i kind of can uh do that and that's honestly uh a bit of a misstep it's a bit of a lucky misstep for me i was planning on crowdfunding this um, and doing it through that kind of route. And now that, that kind of went wrong for me, and it was a bit of a, a, a non-starter. And then all of the press still got – There's a lot, I've been seen by quite a lot of press over the last few months. And now the brand is known by those people, and now, can, now it's just traditional sales to independent venues and across the southeast. Yeah. So uh, weirdly, by it not working out for me three months ago, now it's actually worked out for me and I haven't had to spend that money. But I would say if you want to – I mean my general thought is the saturation of the market and the fact that the only kind of – I'm a left of center brand where I've been seen by the sort of lifestyle vegan stuff like I say, I don't think it's a good idea to start a craft beer business if you're planning on just being about – flavor yeah like i think there's there's enough guys smashing out amazing stuff already <laughs> like yeah. um but in terms of investment and money i mean I, I i have to be honest like that i've been lucky and that i've known always that it's about the mark i am just a pure marketer so i couldn't really give advice on if you wanted to start your own beer business um in 2019 I'm not trying to say I'm the only person that is doing something different. I'm just saying, like, um, I'm sure there are other things that could be invented in craft beer. Um, I just wouldn't know how to approach it because I always knew that actually I'm not – like, I work with a, a brewer that's not macro, but I'm not technically, like, artisan. You know, I'm, yeah. I, that's not my point. Um so to be honest with you, I don't really know what I could say beyond that because um, I'm not sure that it's a viable thing to do. Like you were saying with a seven-year uh, thing, like I love 
uh, a, a beer I drink all the time is Sierra Nevada. It's mad that that is, you know, a beer, an IPA from the 80s that mm. I would consider now as a mainstream beer. But I, I look at most of the brands now and I think this is not going to be the case in 10, 15 years' time. But Sierra Nevada have, have pushed through all that. I mean, they've been through that life cycle and, mm. and then some. So they, they've really established... Yeah. Um, you know, I I remember having that beer for the first time uh, back in the days when I used a homebrew and and I'd be yeah, having yeah. Sierra Nevada pet and I'm like, wow, that's so flavoursome. You know, whereas now it's just kind of like I, but it's middle a, of the road. Yeah. yeah, but it's a steady beer. It's a beer mm. you drink rather than a beer you experience. Whereas when I first had it, it was a beer you experience, but it had it what it wasn't so out there. It didn't have coconut and raspberries and squirrels in it. You know, it was just like. It, it it was just it just was you know it was it was good so yeah um funny funnily enough with the crowdfunding thing you mentioned i think mm. a lot of breweries turn their hand to crowdfunders or pe- or people think oh we'll, we'll crowdfund our business and i think when yeah. you look at successes like northern monk that smash out was it was yeah, it a yeah, million yeah. or two million or verdant and at the forefront of everybody's mind it can feel like oh this is the golden ticket for our brewery but actually most of them fail to reach their goal. I mean, do, do you yeah. think crowdfunding for breweries has much legs on it left anymore? Or, I mean, it's weird. I mean, obviously mine didn't go very well, and that was to do with sort of like the the, the press push that I have with that, and I, I'm a, a bit annoyed by it, to be honest, because I think given the right team, if you have a team of people that can build the PR, then it can be very successful. And if you've got an established... Uh, uh, consumer base like Verdant and Northern Monk do. But obviously, I'm just a startup, so it's you know they've been going for years before they'd even tried that. Yeah. Uh, so for me personally, it was a misstep, and it wasn't something that I think I should have done in retrospect because it just really there was no like I say with like consume direct to consumer sales when you're having to pay DHL nine pounds. Uh, delivery it's like you've got no margin um and so for like, as a sensible way of doing things it's just not a good idea if you're if you're literally a startup like i was those guys i don't know i think there's there's a couple of problems and there's a couple of opportunities in the craft beer industry there's clearly a, a lot of blokes that love it otherwise they wouldn't have invested and the forums wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be in the situation we're at. Mm. How long that can go on for, I simply don't know. I I, I don't know uh, where it will end. But I think crowdfunding, I mean, I came from the drone world and there were a couple of high-profile drone companies that literally burnt up. There was a company, I won't mention their name, but they raised $6 million and they were a staff of 12 and they burnt through that cash in a year because they just decided to go on corporate uh, trips to Las Vegas oh and and they didn't even deliver the product. And when you're a technology company, that's, inter- that's an incredibly bad business and then it, it discredits all the other businesses in that industry that are trying to do something similar. Mm. Um, so I have seen a few of the craft beer uh raises fail as i'd say mine wasn't right and uh and then you see the more established guys that that have that uh back those that backed audience 
you know, that have done very well. So I think it's actually about having diligence and building your brand up over time is that I personally didn't perhaps uh, consider that. And you can think it's this, this golden ticket and it's just going to, it, once you put it on the platform, the platform will do all the work for you. And that's not the case. You have mm. to work very hard before the uh, platform will, will ever uh, uh, feature you. And it's only ever really like very successful campaigns that they'll feature anyway on their yeah. like weekly newsletter or something like that. Um, so it's a mixed bag and it's, it should be approached with caution. And it's a bit like anything actually, uh, is that there's no, there's no, uh, shortcut it's like people think it's a shortcut and even i probably thought oh well i'll just do this you know and do this press and then everybody will know about it and everyone will buy it and that's not the case people don't care they don't care about your thing you care about your thing and you've got to make people care yeah. <laughs> and um and yeah so i would say uh approach it with caution and literally do everything else you can uh, to make your business a success because if you've got capacity right for instance for me as a contract brewer and the brand if the brand's done and the capacity with the contract brew is done then what are you waiting for why do you need to do a crowdfund talk to talk to pubs talk to retailers talk to people go to events there's no like i think the internet uh gives entrepreneurs like me a full sense of like the ground floor you can just go and use that platform or go and do that thing with that website and somehow you'll be a millionaire tomorrow. And honestly, you won't be. I've done it and you won't. <laughs> I, um, I, I saw online, um, well, I can't remember where I saw it now. Um, someone had said, do you need social media to run a business in the 21st century? Right. And I said no because, well, businesses existed for millennia <laughs> you know yeah. before social media came along and actually it, it's it's false economy like oh i got a thousand likes on twitter or yeah. whatever oh x amount of people shared my beer or toasted it on untapped and it's kind of like yeah. well the the real metric for whether your business is successful is are you profitable is yeah. there cash in the bank yeah and um it, it it astounds me the amount of brewers I speak to where they say, oh, you, you know, I hate the whole Monday morning thing of phoning around landlords. And like, to an extent, yeah, you've got to do it to try and get orders. But the amount of people that don't actually physically go out <laughs> and yeah. meet people. And um, I've got a friend called Nigel who he used to work for um, Tetley back in the day and he's, he's, yeah. he's worked in pubs for, for years. He's retired now. And he, he used to say to me, he was like, like head brewer should be getting out every so often and going to press the flesh with the customers. Because if a head brewer goes and it's like, oh, I'm from such such a brewery, you're like, wow, the head brewer from that brewery paid me a visit. You know, yeah. that kind of thing would really stick in your mind. And it, it just amazes me how people don't, for whatever reason, go and sell themselves. Yeah, I know. I think it's the psychology of it, actually. It's much easier once you get that reward psychologically. If you, you know, if you're, if I'm Mr. Bumblebee and I'm running it, you know, I'm running all of it at the moment and I see a thousand likes on Facebook, but actually belling up the, do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's a quicker way to feel like you're, you're actually getting something out of the situation. Um, and I think psychologically that reward system, social media, yeah, it's completely ruined that. And also the whole 
forum situation with arguments that can erupt and stuff. I, I, I've actually yeah, completely turned my opinion on that. I was, you know, a few years ago, I thought, oh, yeah, it's all got to be done through that. And now I'm actually, no, it's just a distraction. Do the normal thing, yeah. you know, do do it, do your thing, do it consistently and and keep it simple. You know, it's really is. It, I don't feel like, you know, we could talk about all these ideas, but unless you're at, like you say, unless you've got money in the bank and you just, just sell the beer, like just sell the beer. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. And I agree, like the, the, the landscape on social media does sort of conflate what is a false sense of success. You know, it's, and, um, like I say, I've done the right things for, for some marketing purposes, but I can't waste my time with, with a lot of that anymore because you're really doing a lot of work and putting a lot of content out there for actually no money when mm. you should be on the phones and emailing people your price list. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. What one piece of advice would you give to any other entrepreneurs like yourself who are passionate about beer and are considering starting and marketing their own brand? Like what's what's the sort of biggest nugget that you've learned that you can impart to someone else i would say probably what i've learned in the saturated position of the market at that moment is that you have to have a clear brand message about what you're doing that is completely different whether or not that's in a about what the business does or about what the flavor does or about the way you deliver that product to market. There are so many guys that are so good at what they do now that the only way I have had any traction is based on that USP with the kind of mm. eco-friendly stuff. And I'm not saying that the beer market is at that point where you couldn't do it. I'm just saying personally, um, being not a beer sommelier or head brewer, that I know how much I don't know. And I know that there are so many experts out there now, so many people that are so good at this. Don't ever fool yourself into thinking you can you can fake that because you can't. And beer is something, you know, you drink it, you taste it, there's no way around it. <laughs> you can't lie. Uh, you can lie if you want. In do do your crowdfund, go and raise a million pounds, stitch up a load of people and pretend you know everything about craft beer. And I promise you, it will come back to bite you on the ass because there's no, there's, there's, it's a food and drink product. There's only so much you can do um, before it will go wrong. Um, so be honest with yourself is what I'd say, is, is be honest with yourself about how good is your brand, how good is your USP, how good are you? And if you're not good enough, Go and find the people that are, because that's what I did. I didn't claim to be this, that, and the other. You just have to, you know, do what you can and find professionals in the areas that you know you need help on. Brilliant. Well, Jason, thank you so much. I've, I've re really Cheers. genuinely enjoyed um, this Me episode. Me too. Um, how can people find out about Bumblebeer? Um, please check us out on bumblebeer.net. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um we are i am i'm also in a uh a, a full page spread in be kind magazine this this month so it was what else? be be kind be kind only with one e only with one ah, e be kind yeah missed opportunity i know 
They should change their name. Um, which is available in all Tesco's, uh, WH Smith's, everything like that. Um, I do a little interview there. Also, your fantastic podcast. Oh, Greatly appreciate you. this, Nick. Thank you. Um, and yeah, we're doing a lot of. There's a. There'll be a lot of press, but check us out on social media. And thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Cheers, Nick. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Forward podcast this week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers, and visit our website, hotforward.beer, for more articles, insights, and a range of services aimed at helping you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Until next time, cheers. Right,